All right, well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to the book of Romans. Um, We are in this series, God's Ancient Story, today. Uh, And with these exciting things that are going on in our church, I mean, God is at work. And as we read the book of Romans, as we study the book of Romans, we can see that what we're experiencing now is not that much different than what the church in Rome was experiencing. And what Paul, the Apostle Paul, the author of this book of Romans, um, was describing would happen for people that honor Jesus and that want to follow him. Um, And so this book that was written so long ago, it still speaks to us today. And we've seen, uh, we've seen the last couple of weeks, we've seen a couple things from this book. Um, The next slide says that God, we've seen God works through history and God works through people. And and today, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4 of Romans chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, they're printed, the verses are printed in your bulletin. We're going to focus on verses 3 and 4, and we're going to see really some big news. Okay, this is the gospel uh, that Paul uses, that word uses the gospel. It means the big news, and it's the big news that God doesn't just work through history and people, but God works through Jesus. Okay, God worked through Jesus. And so let's read verses 1 through 4 and then dive in. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the big news is that God worked through Jesus. If you look at verse 3, it says that Jesus was descended from David according to the flesh. And so Jesus was not just God working through history, kind of like the invisible hand that governs everything. No, no, no. Jesus is God entering into history. Okay? Jesus is God entering into history. And so we're going to see two quick points from these verses, and then we're going to see how this big news gives our church big news for this year, okay? And so first, we're going to see that Jesus, his birth climaxes an ancient story, okay? Verse 3 says, Jesus was descended from David according to the flesh. What this means is that Jesus was born in the line of Israel's greatest king. He was descended from King David, Uh, which shows that God worked through people by becoming a person. Okay, this isn't just an absentee God who sometimes pulls some marionette strings so that we do his bidding and all these things happen. No, no, no. God is so much more personal than that. Okay, God, um, he works through people by becoming a person. Jesus is the ultimate example of humanity. Jesus' life was the embodiment of God's design for men and for women. In his life, Jesus was what we are supposed to be. But, and this is part of the big news, is that Jesus wasn't just an example. Jesus is also a savior. If Jesus was just an example, then all of us would know something that we already know. We'd learn something that we'd already known, and that's that we're not good enough. If Jesus was just an example, we'd all be lost. Uh, But Jesus didn't just show us how to live. Jesus saved us when we failed. Can you think about Joe's testimony? Right In the darkness that enveloped him, Jesus rescued him from that. 
And Jesus' very human birth led to a very human life. Okay, he experienced all of your temptations, all of your struggles, the stuff inside that you want that you shouldn't have. Jesus experienced that. Right? The stuff of the people around you who make you feel certain ways, who push you and conform you into ways that you don't think you should go. Jesus suffered and experienced that. All of your struggles, all of your weaknesses. Jesus was born to be a king. He was descended from the line of David, but his road to the throne was that of a pauper. Jesus, in Jesus, you have a king who understands what it's like to be human. In Jesus, you have a God who understands what it's like to be human. God's people were longing for a king who would come and rescue them. They were longing for a king who would finally do what's right and lead the nation into righteousness. But all of the kings of Israel were sinful and broken and they needed saving themselves until Jesus. Until Jesus. Jesus climaxes the ancient story of Israel's kings by taking on real humanity to be the king who could also then turn around and be the savior. He suffered a very real human death on a cross to save us from our sins. That's what this verse teaches us. And then verse 4 goes on to teach us the second thing, is that Jesus' resurrection begins a new story. His birth climaxes an ancient story. His resurrection begins a new story. Verse 4, it says, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. When Paul wrote this, there was another guy on earth who was claiming to be the son of God. It was Caesar. And the line of Caesars, they claimed to be the sons of God. They actually claimed to be saviors of the world. They claimed to be the one who would bring in an era of worldwide peace and prosperity and harmony for all. But each one of the Caesars' lives ended with assassinations, poisonings, stabbings, conspiracy. Their deaths led the, left the empire more unstable, less unified, and even more dangerous. Now, Jesus was also conspired against. Jesus was also murdered. But something happened with Jesus that began a brand new story. Verse 4, that in this, God made a declaration after Jesus was crucified, after he was laid in the tomb and buried, God made a declaration. God made a declaration that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And in that declaration, power came out from the throne of heaven itself. God's spirit reached into that tomb and Jesus passed through death and came out the other side. Jesus was raised from out of the grave. He came not back from the dead as though he had another human existence and would die again. He didn't flatline on a table and then come back and resuscitate. No, no, no. Jesus entered into death and came out the other side. Jesus was raised eternally. And this was God's declaration that this is my son. And the followers of Jesus, the people who followed Jesus, they were filled with love. They were filled with unity. They had joy and peace that moved them to sacrifice. 
It was as though they thought there was this other world coming and they could just be patient and wait for that. And in the meantime, they took great delight. They took great joy in sacrificing who they were and sacrificing what they had to meet the needs of others. The first followers of Jesus would have someone up here telling them all of the things that even we have done. Right? These are the kinds of things, the kinds of sacrifices, the kind of time commitment, the kind of unity, the kind of love that's demonstrated in action. Because they just had this sense that there was another world coming. And God declared that the Jesus life, Jesus' way of living was the best life. And in the resurrection of Jesus, God was declaring that Jesus was the leader of this way of living. To be the son of God back then meant you were the ruler. You were the one who was in charge. And Jesus' followers, they were convinced that this world was coming because in Jesus' resurrection, that world had already come. You get that? Okay, listen, the resurrection was not just a powerful magic trick. Okay, this was, the resurrection of Jesus wasn't just God saying, hey, guess what I can do? Watch this. I can bring him back to life. No, the resurrection of Jesus was God definitively declaring that Jesus was the king of the whole world by giving Jesus the life that we all want. Jesus rose from the dead and now lives forever. He is in perfect peace and perfect harmony and perfect communion. Everything is perfect for Jesus. He has been bodily raised from the dead and he is now living eternally. That's the life that we want. And so the followers of Jesus realized, they realized, wait a second, if Jesus was raised from the dead, this isn't just, oh, God is so powerful. This means, wait a second, that's the life we want. If we just follow him, then we will get that resurrection too. And so God promises this resurrection life in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17. God says this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So God is saying, I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth. And Jesus' resurrection is God declaring that the new heavens and the new earth starts with him. The resurrection of Jesus is like the ceremonial groundbreaking of the new heavens and earth. Okay? It's like if you're going to build a mall, right? If you're going to build a brand new mall, the resurrection of Jesus is like the first store that goes in. Right And uh, with a ceremonial groundbreaking, typically that's a guarantee that, it's, that the work's going to be finished. Okay? Well, then, after you read this verse, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that connects our faith in Jesus with our own experience of the world to come. Look what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if you believe in Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Doesn't that sound just like Isaiah 65? Right? The former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. I create a new heavens and a new earth. 
What 2 Corinthians is saying here, do you see this? When you believe in Jesus, it means that the world to come also begins in you. This life that we all want begins to become your experience. When you believe in Jesus, you experience a spiritual resurrection. This is a renewal, not of your body yet, but of your heart, of your mind, of your emotions. And this causes us to live renewed lives of love and unity, of sacrifice and peace. And so this declaration of God that Jesus is his son by the resurrection of the dead flows like a river down into our lives, into our hearts, and we become new. There's thoughts that you have that you didn't have before you were a Christian. There are desires that you have that you didn't have before you were a Christian. There are things that you used to do that didn't bother you before, but now you think, wait a second, I love Jesus, and this doesn't really fit with my love for Jesus. Right? There's now a war going on inside of your soul, which sometimes that war is an incredible struggle and incredibly frustrating and super debilitating and makes you want to rip your hair out and crawl into a hole and die sometimes. But the war means, the war means that the new has come. The war means that there is the Spirit of God in you, that Jesus' own life is in you. And you now war against the stuff that you used to not be bothered by. And this is how the resurrection of Jesus begins to impact our own lives. And so practically, this is going to speak directly into the life of our church this year. Okay, this means big news for us. The resurrection of Jesus, its impact on us means big news and a new chapter in our story as a church. Okay, so I've got big news for you today. Big news for our church, but just like the gospel... This, is, this news is best told as kind of the next chapter in our current story. So if you would indulge me for just a minute, I want to give you a little bit of history of our church, okay? Back in 2014, 37 of our members signed a document. Go to the next slide. They signed the charter for us to become Harbor City Church. Okay, this is in 2014. 37 members. We became an official church in the Presbyterian Church in America, We set out to be a gospel-centered church with a vision to renew the city through renewed people to God's glory. And we were growing. Well, then in early 2015, as we began to grow, next slide, we realized, do you remember this? Do you remember this? Remember this wall that used to exist, this really awkward wall that kind of grew up the side? Like, there was no place for you. Okay, There was no place for you. We were growing, we were filling up the space, and we did not have room. You can see there that um, that was where the sound booth was, that brown square thing that's now all the way in the back. And so we decided to dream bigger because God was growing the church, and we thought, hey, we need to make more room. And so we did that, and we expanded our space by 50%. By 50%, we added 90 seats, um, and we're still growing. We're still growing. And so God has continued to add people, men, women, children are coming and they're staying because they love what God is doing here in our church. And more and more people are noticing what we had to mention earlier today is that we're filling up the space again. And there's three things that we can do in response to this growth. Um, We can do nothing. 
And if we do nothing, we won't just stay the same. We're actually going to decay and atrophy because part of who we are is the desire to reach out and to, and to bring more and more people in to meet Jesus. And so, um, so we could do nothing. I don't think it's a wise idea. Uh, we could also find a bigger space to worship, to handle the growth. Um, the problem with this is that we have looked for other places to meet, and there is nothing zoned downtown that would meet our needs that comes anywhere near the close to the quality of what we have here in this space. In this space, the offices upstairs, the kids space that was gifted to us by a radical $70,000 gift of God last year that we didn't even ask for, even know to ask for. Um, And we have a great landlord too. And so we could look for a bigger space to worship in. Um, but I don't think that's viable. We've done this several times. We're actually going to keep looking. We're always looking, but that doesn't feel like there's going to be any, any room there. And the third thing that we can do is we could double our capacity with very little cost. Okay? We can double our reach and grow our church family by launching a second service in the fall. In the fall. And that's what we're going to do. That's our big news. Our 2017 goal is that we want to launch a second Sunday morning service this fall. Okay? We've been talking about this as a staff. We've talked about this as elders. And we feel like the time is right for us to expand to two morning services. Because this will increase our impact on the city. This is all about our vision. It's not about just getting bigger. It's about our vision to renew the city through renewed people. Um, we think that this will increase our impact on the city. It also, it'll improve our ability to serve our people and our city. Okay, so just, just a couple of benefits. There's so many benefits to launching a second service. Um, first, it's going to actually help us to better serve our existing church family. Uh, there are a number of you that really wish our service met later than 10 a.m., because it's hard for you to get here at 10 a.m. There are also a number of you that wish our service was earlier than 10 a.m. Well, guess what? When we have two services, we can serve both of you. Um, And so we, uh, so yeah, so this is one reason. I mean, so literally, y'all are going to be happier because our service times are going to change. We don't know yet what the service times will be. We're going to talk to you, survey, all that kind of stuff. But um, so we'll be able to better serve our church family this way. This will also better serve our service our volunteers. So we have so many people who volunteer every single week, and they hate missing church. Um, with two services that allow our volunteers to serve at one service and then actually worship at the other. Second service also, as we grow, will help us financially because it'll give us the ability to add additional staff and programs to better care for people and equip leaders. And so more programs, more classes, more ministries, things like finances, things on work, grief and suffering, healthy dating and marriage relationships, parenting. Because again, we don't just want more people. We want to make more disciples of Jesus. Right? We don't just want more people coming in the door. We want people following Jesus and knowing how to apply the gospel to all of life. I think finally, God has just been consistently growing our church, and we think that this is the best way for us to steward that growth. We don't want to stop what God's doing, and we feel like with two services, we can reach twice as many people with the news of the implications of Jesus' resurrection for our lives. And so, I hope you're excited. 
I am, I'm excited all the time, but yeah. <laughs> um, now today, I don't know that we're ready yet to launch a second service, but I'm calling everybody in the church to participate over the next eight months so that we can get ready. If we decide we're ready sooner, then we can do this sooner. We will have two services, obviously in Easter, because we've been doing that for the last few years, but all of us need to be working on this together. And so um, if you look, there's an insert um, on the back of Mike's financial update. Um, these are the things that, uh, that we'd like all of us to do. Okay, these are, this, this is here. Here's what all of us need to do. Um, first is pray. We want all of you to pray. So at least once a week, pray like this. Say, Father, help our church to grow. And what specifically can I do to help the church grow this year? Um, think of five people in your life who don't know Jesus and start praying for them, that God would open up a door for you to invite them to come to our church. And then two, uh, participate. Participate. This looks like walking with Jesus and being involved in the church. So use your time and your energy to help the church grow. Now, some of you, a lot of you are already fully engaged in the life of our church. And so you just need to keep being the awesome people that you are. Okay, and I say this in all sincerity because some of you, I'm not asking for more of your time because you're already giving us your time. Okay, so hear me there. Hear me there. Um, but for many of us, participating really means taking the next step. Okay, and so for some of you, that means joining a life group. For others of you, you're in a life group. That means stepping up to, to maybe lead a new life group. We're going to need more life groups to launch a second service. We're probably going to need six or seven more groups. Um, in order for us to be able to shepherd the folks that will come. Um, for others, it means coming to the Harbor City intro class and walking down the pathway of membership. And then for others of you, participating means jumping in on Sunday morning and volunteering once a month. Just find out what's going on. We'll communicate, we'll tell you, uh, but just jumping in once a month and, and helping out, either set up or in children's, uh, children's church or the welcome team or freshmen. There's lots of things you can do. Um, and then for some of you, this is going to mean helping us to understand what are the biggest needs, not only in our church, but in our friends' and neighbors' lives, and what kinds of things can we offer so that they would see that our church can provide the gospel of Jesus applied to the areas that they struggle with the most. And so we're going to need help. We want some of you to help us think about what are the biggest things that we can do to encourage new folks to come to our church um, and then we're going to need some of you to help us run those programs. Um, and so if you are ready to take the next step, please use the connection card. It's in your bulletin. Just put your name and your email address. Just say, I'm ready to take the next step. Please contact me. Um, that'd be a great way. We'd love to follow up with you about that. And then the third thing is that we, all of us, and I, I, I paused a little bit when I was thinking, do I want to say all of us need to invite people? Because I know that some of you are not extroverts like me. Okay, I know how easy it is for me to invite people to church, and I don't want to impose that on you. For some of you, you would rather be, you'd actually take great delight in getting locked in a closet for a week, actually, because you don't want to have to talk to anybody else. Um, but I think all of us are going to have to lean into inviting someone to church. Okay, over the next eight months, we're going to run all kinds of different events. Um, some of them are going to be celebration events. 
like parties. Some of them are going to be instructional kinds of things like financial peace, like dealing with grief and suffering. We want to, we're going to run some programs and offer some seminars and classes. And then we hope that we can offer a wide enough variety so that all five of the people that you're praying for, you would be able to easily and comfortably say, hey, my church is doing something that I think you might be interested in. Okay, and so, but we want to ask all of you to invite the people in your life to come and check out the church because it's meant so much to you. Okay, and so together, if we do this together, we can reach more of San Diego with the good news of Jesus. Okay, that's why we're here. That's why God has left us here on earth, is so we can reach out and touch other people. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit, just a little bit about the finances. Um, I'm not as funny as Mike is, so um, when I talk about finances, you're not going to laugh. Um, but this is also on the back of your sheet, so you can feel free to dive in as deeply as you want and, and send me your questions. But there's really two numbers that I want you to look at here. Um, first is that we are budgeting to have a 6% increase in our general giving this year versus last year. Okay, Last year, you all did amazing um, and it was fabulous. This year, we just want to, we're hoping to grow by 6%, okay? And so that's, um, we think that's a very modest, um, a very modest target, especially as a church grows. Like, this shouldn't be that difficult to reach. Um, and so, but we want to grow by 6%. Um, our expenses are going to go up by 14% this year because we're actually going to try to hire some administrative support, um, which is going to be exciting for all the folks on staff, um, we plan on spending $25,000 more than we're budgeting to receive because we feel like the surplus that you gave last year, we want to invest that in the ministry. We don't just want to sit on money in the bank. We want to have enough as a cushion, but we want to use the money that you have given to bring people on staff, to run more programs, to offer more classes so that you can grow, so that you can see the gospel targeting areas of your life and so you can invite other people and so we're planning on being in the red this year because you've given so generously uh, last year. I think if we grow like this, we will probably see our giving a lot more than 6%. Um, and so I'm excited about that, but we're trying, to be, we're trying to be modest and set reasonable expectations. And so um, for us, this is... Uh, you know, so this is the aim for this year. And underneath this aim of two services in the fall is going to come all kinds of other things. So we want to improve our communication. We want to improve our, um, we want to improve our small groups, add more life groups. Um, and, and so you're going to hear more about that. The last thing I want to encourage you to do is send me, send us your questions and your concerns. Right? If you've got a question, send it to us. You can use the connection card, write down your questions. You can email me, anybody on staff, or any of the leaders in our church, and they'll funnel those things up to our staff. During the rest of January, we want you, we want you to respond. We want you to communicate with us. Um, and so we're going to collate all those things and create like a frequently asked questions. This will help us with a communication plan. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to have goals for January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, you know, and then the goal is in September. And so um, this is going to be good for us. It's going to be good for us as a church. Uh, the next eight months are going to challenge us and God is going to meet us in the challenge. Um, and God wants this for us because, and this is why, 
the resurrection of Jesus was God's declaration that he is the son of God. That was his declaration when Jesus rose from the dead. But today, it's the last thing I want you to remember and take with you. Next slide. Today, God declares Jesus to be the savior of the world when we live resurrected lives. Okay? When Jesus walked the earth, people could see that he was in fact the son of God. It's when we live resurrected lives that people can see in us the reality of Jesus. And this is really what this whole goal is about. It's about us living resurrected lives. It's about us loving and caring for each other and then reaching out and caring for others. When we do that, we look like Jesus. When we do that, Jesus works through us. When we sacrifice our time, our energy, and our effort to support each other, we are living as people who believe that there is a world to come. We live as though we have an inheritance that's waiting for us um, and we can be patient and we're willing to sacrifice in the time being. We did this throughout 2016. We did this in remarkable ways as a church family. And now, as we begin 2017, let's focus together on reaching out and bringing others into this church family. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for declaring Jesus to be your son. Thank you for raising us up to walk in new life. Jesus, I do pray that you would visit each one of us. Come to us, those who are Christians and even those who aren't. And please, Lord, show us how can we follow you? How can we help our church to grow this year? Lord, we want to do this not for any sort of sake of numbers, but strictly because we want more of San Diego to walk with you. We want more people to experience your love and your sacrificial care through us so that they would meet you. And so bless our efforts. Jesus, bless us as we seek to follow you and reach out living resurrected lives for the world. We pray this in your name. Amen.